Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Good morning. Our scripture passage comes from Luke 2, 1 through 20. Listen for what God is saying to you. In those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. This first enrollment occurred when Cornelius governed Syria. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Joseph belonged to David's house and family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, wrapped him snugly and lay him in a manger because there was no place for them in the guest room. Nearby shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angel stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid, look, I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great assembly of the heavenly forces with all the angel praising God. They said, glory to God in heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw this, they reported what they had been told about this child. Everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary committed these things to memory and considered them carefully. The shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. May God add a blessing to the hearing and understanding of this scripture. Good morning, Urban Village Church. My name is Emily McGinley and uh, and I have the great joy of serving as um, a pastor of this community in ministry and in, in hope alongside all the folks that you have seen up here and so many more. Um, please pray with me. God, we invite you into the space of this place, of this sanctuary, into the space of our hearts and our minds as we consider what it is that you have to say to us. Open us up. Help us to be maybe just a little bit more healed, a little bit more challenged, a little bit more disturbed in the holiest ways so that this thing that we've been waiting for, this Advent time of expectation and hope um, at your entry in this world might not just be something that we passively um, uh, sit by with, or but uh, that we are actively 
urgently working toward making a reality today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So earlier this week, I can just speak on this, it's fine. Okay. Um, earlier this week, <laughs> technical difficulties. Earlier this week, I was talking with a UVCer um, who had told me about someone that they had met through a work project. And as they worked together, it turned out that the other person had attended a different UV site, UVC site than the one that they attended a few times, actually. And um, this person, she really liked it, uh, but she found it really hard to believe that we truly meant what we were saying up front. When she heard the person say, whether you're gay or straight, you're welcome here. And even though everything in the service confirmed that statement, she just really had a hard time believing it. She got it in her head, but her experiences of church growing up um, just kind of had planted something so deep inside of her, it, she just couldn't fully accept or believe that it was really true, what we were saying. Sometimes our wounds run deep, right? We'd use all the words, read all the books, have all the conversations, but there are these layers of experiences that make up who we are, and much, so much history that gets imprinted on us, even things that we're not even really aware of sometimes, right? Um, it can take, us, it take, can take a lot for a long time to undo the damage. It's hard to believe that we could really be accepted or made whole or loved or whatever the wound or wounds might be. It can be hard to believe it or even to let it go, right? Sometimes our identities get so built up around that wound, right, that our identity then becomes, I'm a survivor. I'm not attached to anyone. I don't need anyone. And so we become sort of like weirdly invested in maintaining those identities. And the more we invest, the more we build up our lives and our worlds around these wounds and survival tactics that are actually really rooted in pain. After a while, it can feel like, you know, even if, even if you're kind of not very happy about where you are, you sort of can feel a little bit stuck, right? Like, I've gone down this road so far. There's no way I could turn back. In the now seven-part story of Star Wars, um, you might know that when the movies were first released in the late 1970s, it actually started in the middle of the story with episode four. And you were introduced to Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia and Han Solo and C-3PO and R2-D2 and dun, 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 Darth Vader. Darth Vader is the worst. He's brutal and menacing, and as you find out in episode five, he is Luke's father. Oh, sorry if I spoiled it for anyone. It's been, but it's been around for like 40 years. So, um, so Luke, uh, or uh, 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 Darth Vader, started out as a Jedi, but you're not quite sure, like in the, those first three episodes, four through six, um, you're not sure what happened to make him who he was until episodes one through three come out, um, and you learn about how Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader, was born into a slave colony. And as he grows, Anakin shows intelligence and skill, and he catches the eye of a Jedi warrior who uh, is convinced that there is something special about him. So Anakin is actually pulled out of slavery to enter into special training to become a Jedi warrior himself. He becomes good friends with another Jedi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and they train together, go on missions together, they fight together, they become like brothers. For Anakin, everything seems promising. It's almost like a Cinderella story, right? But he's gripped by fear 
actually. He has these dreams of his mother dying, and he goes to rescue her, but he finds that she's been sold from one slave owner to another slave owner, and finally, when he tracks her down, it's just before she dies, and she takes her last breath in his arms. His nightmares had turned out to be true. And Anakin is angry. He's angry at the system of slavery that he was born into, that killed his mother, that kept him from finding her in time. His rage consumes him, and he ends up destroying an entire village of men, women, and children. And as he buries his mother, he declares that he will become so powerful in the force that he will stop, people from, uh, stop the people he loves from dying. And he gets just full of anger and guilt and fear and grief, and it just takes hold of him. Anakin meets this queen, Padme Amidala. They fall in love, and they get married. Padme becomes pregnant, and then Anakin again has a dream. He begins to dream of her dying in childbirth, and it just he keeps getting these dreams, and he's convinced that they will be true too. Again, his fear consumes him. And about the same time, Palpatine, this uh, man, uh, begins to take an interest in Anakin. I'm trying to like condense a lot. Um, Palpatine draws Anakin nearer and promises that there is a side of the force that can keep the people that he loves from dying. And so Anakin begins to follow Palpatine down this road, this road that promises him security from all of his fears. But in the process of going down this road, Anakin, it goes further and further away from himself until he finds himself battling with Obi-Wan, his friend, his brother. This is in uh, episode three. It's over, Anakin! I have the high ground! You underestimate my power! Don't try it! chosen one! It was said that you would destroy the Sith, not join them! Bring balance to the Force, not leave it in darkness! You know, I have to confess, I've only seen um, episodes three and four, um, and so this is at the end of episode three, and I was crying during this scene because you could tell that Obi-Wan's heart was breaking. He was like, we were, you were so special, and you gave it up. And he, his heart was breaking, and he's watching this person that he no longer knows go um, and burn up. Anakin had made this choice, right? It was out of fear. But uh, he, he makes this choice to move to the Sith side, the dark side. And in that choice, he, 
he cut his ties. He cut his ties with Obi-Wan. He cut his ties to Padme. He cut his ties to himself. He changes his name in his mind. There is nothing left of Anakin Skywalker. He, his wounds run deep, right? He's now Darth Vader. He gets rescued and kind of retrofitted. Um, and you'll see, you've probably seen the, the pictures. Um, and is now serving um, with the Sith, the dark side of the Force. So 23 years later, after that moment in um, Anakin's life, Darth Vader finds himself face to face with his past unexpectedly. His twin daughter and son, Leia and Luke, are on the Jedi side of the Force. And it's like he's looking through the window of what could have been, right? They stir up all of these questions and thoughts and feelings. He didn't realize that he had existed. He had kind of buried it way down deep. And so in a scene um, when Luke uh, is captured uh, by some, uh, some people on the Sith side, um, <laughs> uh, he is then kind of having this face-to-face conversation with Darth Vader. Um, and he tries to sort of like call him out, but it doesn't seem to make a difference. So here's that scene. The Emperor has been expecting you. I know, Father. So, you have accepted the truth. I've accepted the truth that you were once Anakin Skywalker, my father. That name no longer has any meaning for me. It is the name of your true self you've only forgotten. I know there is good in you. The Emperor hasn't driven it from you fully. That was why you couldn't destroy me. That's why you won't bring me to your Emperor now. I see you have constructed a new lightsaber. Your skills are complete. Indeed, you are powerful, as the Emperor has foreseen. Come with me. Obi-Wan once thought as you do. You don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. I will not turn, and you'll be forced to kill me. If that is your destiny. Suit your feelings, father. You can't do this. I feel the conflict within you. Let go of your hate. It is too late for me, son. The Emperor will show you the true nature of the Force. He is your master now. Then my father is truly dead. It is too late for me. Vader has put his stake in the ground, but here Luke is saying, his son is saying, it doesn't have to be this way. And even though he kind of stands his ground, this new hope is starting to be born within him. And slowly but surely, Anakin is coming back to life. And Vader doesn't quite know what to do about it. He had made his claim. He's invested his life into building the empire up. His choices have not only carved a path for himself, but for the entire galaxy. He's in too deep, right? He's locked into empire. He's locked into his personal choices. He's stuck. 
Over these past few weeks, we've been talking about empire, the empire that Jesus was born into in the alternative empire that God ushered in through Jesus. We've talked about John the Baptist and his role as a battering ram for the gospel. We've talked about the gospel itself, the good news that Mary sang about, right? About a world turned right side up. And last week, Caleb talked about the time and the place and the context in which all of this was happening, the empire of Caesar. Caesar's empire, a system where people were only counted for the purposes of currency and then dismissed. Taxes, so that Caesar can get exactly what he's decided that other people owe him not so that they can be cared for, not for a stronger society that could be built, not so that a teenage woman who is pregnant can have adequate health care when she slips through the social cracks, not so that uh, refugees who are forced to relocate have resources to build a new life, no, taxes so that military budgets can increase and so that borders can be secured, taxes so that oppression can masquerade as peace and the right bellies, not all the bellies, but the right bellies could be filled. It was all too big, too far beyond anyone's capacity to undo or make right. It seemed like there was just no way to turn back, right? Why even bother? It seems like we're stuck. But it's in just these kinds of places, those places where we feel stuck and powerless, hopeless and alone. And it's in just this kind of place where God shows up. This is where God shows up. That's why this story that we tell every Advent, right, it's the same story, the story of Joseph and Mary and Jesus and Caesar's empire, that's why it's so important to tell this story because the story reminds us that God showed up. Not in a distant galaxy far, far away, but very near, impossibly near. It might seem counterintuitive the way that God went about it, right? It certainly was back then in the time of Mary and Joseph. Everyone, the Jewish folk anyway, everyone was waiting for a Messiah that would come wielding a sword. A sword, a Messiah who would cut down the massive army, the soldiers and the chariots and the tanks and the advanced technological weaponry of the time. They wanted, we want, a big God, right, who would act on the world from the outside in. Just, just come in and make it better, right? Instead, we have a God who chose to move from the inside out. From the inside out. This God said, I'm not going to come by power and might. I'll arrive small and weak. Not born into a throne, but a manger. Not by a powerful queen, but a frightened and faithful, ordinary teenager. I remember reading a while back about how um, Beyonce and Jay-Z rented out the whole wing of a luxury hospital in New York to prepare for the birth of their baby. They sealed it off with security and made sure that no one would have access to this important and special time in their family's life. They're huge celebrities, right? With lots of people who would love to have inside access to what was going on. Pictures of a newborn baby Blue Ivy would be worth a fortune. Jesus' birth was not a highly anticipated celebrity event. It wasn't even on most people's radars except for a few nobodies in a field taking care of some sheep and some foreigners. Forget about an exclusive wing in a hospital, right? In fact, forget about a hospital. Mary and Joseph didn't even have a place to stay during their travels, even though Mary was ready to pop. That's the world Jesus was born into, where people couldn't even make room for a woman at the end stages of pregnancy. Go hang out with the horses in the back. 
God could have done a big thing. God could have come down and just torn this place up, right? That's basically the story of Noah and his ark. God could come at us from the outside in and just wipe the slate clean. Let's start over. But instead, God opted for the inside out. God said there is something more to this situation than just bad behavior. It's more than just correcting what's wrong from the outside. There are some layers at work here. And so God came to companion us, to understand the deepness of our experience, the depth of what it means to be human, to be weak and frail and fearful and alone, to be joyful and hopeful and excited and silly. God came to experience and live in the center of the most forgotten crack so that God couldn't just name what we were going through, the way that we get locked into systems and structures that form and deform us. You could do a whole analysis about it, right? God could read all about it and be like, I got it. God didn't want to just be able to name it. God wanted to know it. Know it in this deep way. Know what it's like to desperately knock on door after door, asking, begging for a room, for a room to be born in. God wanted to know what the experience of what it's like to stand in a line, moving three inches at a time until you've given your information to a tired person holding a clipboard who barely looks at your face. To know what it's like to travel exhausted and fearful and unsure if you'll make it there and if when you make it there you'll find anyone who will welcome you at the end of your journey. God wanted to experience and witness the journey of us, the journey of our lives, to experience those times where eventually, at some point, we find ourselves saying, where did I go wrong? I'm in too deep. I thought things would turn out differently. They started out so much better. The, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me moment. God wanted to know this so that God could companion us more deeply. Anakin Skywalker, a miracle baby, so promising, who grew to be strong and gifted, a fighter with a passionate heart, who only wanted, he only wanted to protect the people he loved, right? He became a fragment of his former self. He had given himself up for lost. He was done, right? Don't ever say that name again. That's what he says to Luke. But then, like God says to us, Luke said to him, I know that there is still good in you. It's in there somewhere. We have a God who knows us, a God who sees us, our deepest selves, the selves we don't even know, and says, you, I see you. I see you. And when we're all grown and successful or strong and seem like we're all put together, all dressed in our armor with the shiny mask and the voice that is perfected to impress or scare or keep people at a distance, God looks us squarely in the eyes and says, I see you. I see you. I get it. And I'm here. I'm not up there, far, far away. I'm right here. I'm right here with you. I feel you, and I see you, and I love you. I'm right here in the mess of you. And I'm choosing that because you matter. Because you matter. Because your you thing is the key to this big thing. The empire and the world that we live in, it doesn't heal if you aren't healed. 
It's strange, isn't it, that, that the world could be changed by a God who comes not riding in a chariot or ser- sitting on a throne, but lovingly and snugly, I love that translation, snugly wrapped in cloths, like an old t-shirt or a scarf, snugly wrapped in cloths and carried in the arms of an inexperienced but deeply loving mother, cared for by a confused but trusting father. God is right there with Mary and with Joseph in the middle of their mess. I'm not sure how Mary imagined her first baby being born, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't like that, right? And I'm not sure how Joseph thought he'd be welcoming his first child into the world, but I think he'd probably at least think it was his, right? (laughs) The circumstances are all wrong, but there they are, and there God is in that quiet moment. It's close to us because it's far away from everything else. There's no pomp and circumstance, no paparazzi or parades, no just a mom and a dad and a baby and some animals. Last week, Caleb talked about this guy, Walter Wink, and his idea that the powers, the powers of this world, how they are at their core, that they're good, but they're fallen, and that they can be redeemed. And it feels like Redemption could only come in the form of some grand restructuring from the outside in. But here in this story, right, we see that God's wisdom says something else. God's wisdom says that power is transformed, is redeemed from the inside out, actually. At the end of episode six, we see that Luke is about to die at the hands of Palpatine. And in that moment, in that moment, Vader has a second chance. He can either continue on the path he's been walking he can continue to be part of a death-dealing empire, he can, or he can redeem himself. And so he chooses to take this second chance, this last chance, and it ends up being the death of him, but not before he has this final exchange with Luke. Luke, help me take this mask off. But you'll die. Nothing can stop that now. Just for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. save you. You already have. You were right. You were right about me. Tell your sister you were right. You were right, he says. You were right. You were right about me. Vader surrendered and Anakin was finally redeemed because he finally believed and accepted it that he was not out of love's reach, right? And knowing that he was loved gave him the courage to cripple the empire, to stand up, 
to the person who had controlled him for so long. Redeeming empire and redeeming individuals. You can't have one without the other. There Jesus was so long ago, a newborn baby at the mercy of an empire that was built to crush people like him. On the day that God entered the world, God turned and looked at empire squarely in the face and said, you're not finished. There is good in you yet. There is good in you yet. And so as we look toward Christmas Day, we remember that God came close, impossibly close, so that a new hope could be born into this world, so that a new hope could be born in each one of us. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you came near, and we thank you that you see, that you continue to see good in us and good in this world, even when sometimes it feels like we have to strain real hard to see anything. We thank you for this new hope. Help us to not just believe it, but live it, and be, as we are redeemed, agents of redemption in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.